As you just heard a little later in the service, our third graders will be entering the sanctuary and we'll have a chance to celebrate this Sunday where we give them their own copy of the Bible. And so uh, the routine will be a little different. We'll sing our concluding hymn and then I'm going to have you all seated and they're going to participate with me in the benediction and then we'll walk out together so you'll have a chance to see them all. Our sermon series continues this morning. We've been looking at the ways in which Jesus Christ gets behind the masks that we wear. Jesus invites a deeper investigation and a deeper engagement in our lives, deeper than perhaps many of us are comfortable with. And this morning, the text tells the story of Nicodemus from the Gospel of John, one of the Pharisee leaders of the community, and it captures a surprising conversation about vulnerability and new life. I invite you to listen with me for the Word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of John. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, We know that you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one else can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe... How can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who is descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, we come before you once again to hear your word. We ask, O Lord, that you would quiet within us any voice but your own, 
and that you would speak to us as only a living God can. For we come and pray for the sake and in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The word persona is the Greek term for a stage mask. In my work, masks and armor are perfect metaphors for how we protect ourselves from the discomfort of vulnerability, so writes Brene Brown in her book, Daring Greatly. She writes on, masks make us feel safer even when they become suffocating. Armor makes us feel stronger even when we grow weary from dragging the extra weight around. The irony is that when we are standing across from someone who is hidden or shielded by masks and armor, we feel frustrated and disconnected. That's the paradox here, she writes. Vulnerability is the last thing I want you to see in me but the first thing I look for in you, end quote. Nicodemus is a minor character in the story who comes at night to the Lord because he's vulnerable and he wants to avoid committing himself. Nicodemus is smart, he's well-educated, He's a religious official. He's probably familiar with and well-versed in all the philosophical arguments of the day. And he'd heard about this Jesus who was turning things upside down, winning the popular vote. And he was probably just a little bit concerned about maintaining the status quo, making sure that the religious structures of the day were properly respected. He was a Pharisee. He was a leader of his people. So to avoid being seen, it was more convenient for Nicodemus to approach Jesus in the dark of night. Under the cover of darkness, he could hide from others who might not approve that he was there, and he could even hide from himself. He came to talk politics and philosophy. So he begins with a little, a little flattery, hoping to kind of disarm Jesus. Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God. But Jesus sees through this little charade, and he begins to talk to him about being born again. Being born from above. Rather than talking in generalities, Jesus turns the tables and he wants to talk with Nicodemus about life and about his life and about new beginnings and a fresh start altogether. You know, there's a story told about this old dilapidated piano that once sat in the corner of a small jazz club in New Orleans. All the jazz artists complained about this ancient instrument. Piano players just detested playing it. Vocalists dreaded singing with it. All the jazz combos that played the club wished they could bring their own piano like they did their saxophones and drums. 
And so finally, after listening to all these jazz musicians complain about that old piano, the owner of the club decided to do something about it. He had the piano painted. A completely superficial effort. You see, Nicodemus was interested in a superficial effort. A politically expedient conversation that would help preserve the status quo. He came at night to paint the piano. But Jesus is interested in something so much more significant and substantive. A reordering of life itself. The ability to produce a different kind and a much better quality kind of music. So here's this young couple attending church regularly. Late one afternoon, they found the pastor alone. They had a question for him. At times in their lives, they had all kinds of doubts about their faith. And they've heard the Christian message preached each week. They believed it, but it seemed to make a really very little difference in their life. Tell me where you live, said the pastor. Well, we live here in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, I understand, but your accent suggests that you live somewhere else. Oh, we're born in Kentucky, said the young man. You still have family and relatives there in Kentucky? And the young man told them they visit their family and friends several times a year there. Well, you must know the way to Kentucky pretty well. They said, yeah, we do. Well, suppose one of your friends here in Dayton asked you for directions to Kentucky. Would you hide anything or would you explain the way to them clearly? Well, said the couple, we'd always give the best directions we could. The pastor said, now, can you guarantee those people will be able to reach their destination? Well, only if they follow our directions carefully, said the couple. You know, said the preacher, people come into church because they trust that Christ has changed my life and can change their lives as well. But we all know people can come to church and nod their heads in agreement and somehow or other the message of the gospel never penetrates their lives. Somehow or other, the old piano just gets painted. It all remains at a superficial level. Nicodemus wants to talk about painting pianos while Jesus says you have to be born from above. You have to get the spirit. The wind blows where it will. Now that's Jesus. The whole conversation sounds a little bit like an Abbott and Costello routine. You remember that old one with uh, who's on first? Nicodemus thinks he hears Jesus saying, born again, and he says, no, turn up your hearing aid, Nicodemus. I said, born from above. Anathan. It's a Greek word that means from above, or from top to bottom. 
It's the same word that we hear on Good Friday when we talk about the veil of the temple that was torn a nothing from top to bottom. Nicodemus, you have to be born from above, from the top down, from top to bottom. God wanted Nicodemus' mind, but he also wanted his heart. And Nicodemus didn't need more information. He needed a new beginning that was so basic that the only effective analogy was the analogy of birth itself. Now, we'll see Nicodemus two more times in the Gospel of John. In the seventh chapter, he puts up kind of a half-hearted defense for Jesus. In the midst of the trials that are going on for Jesus, he says, our law, our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they're doing, does it? Well, Nicodemus didn't prevail on that occasion either. But he also appears at the end of the story when he and Joseph of Arimathea take the body of Jesus after the crucifixion and they prepare it together for burial. And on that occasion, when darkness appeared to be triumphant, Nicodemus is no longer ashamed to be numbered openly among the disciples of Jesus because for Nicodemus it was no longer the night. So maybe like Nicodemus, it's time for us to emerge from the shadows and take a stand on all this faith stuff. In life, it takes more than painting the piano from time to time. It isn't minor repairs and a few alterations here and there that's needed. You can't inch your way towards the kingdom of God. God wants to do a renovation of our lives and our culture and our community that's from the attic to the basement. An overhaul, top to bottom, a nothing. A more substantive and fundamental change in life comes only from God. But it's possible. A new beginning is what the sacrament of baptism is all about. We don't need it more than once because God's always faithful to us. But we do need to remember it and allow ourselves to be born again from water and spirit and to let the renovation begin with us. So what does the Lord want to renovate in your life? God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. You see, life provides every day the opportunity to start anew. We can rise to the occasion or we can put on the same old masks and armor and begin the same old routines, maintaining the same old status quo. We run into new people in our lives all the time. How often do we take a risk? How often do we share something of value of ourselves? 
How often do we put aside our masks? The challenge is that people with a lot have a lot to lose. And we've worked hard to achieve our status and security, but sometimes rather than liberating us, we find ourselves suffocating behind it all, often lonely and isolated. Real faith invites something more and something deeper. Real community provides the opportunity to take off our masks with one another. And stewardship provides the opportunity to stop living overly self-protected lives. We get to contribute to making a difference in the world for thousands of others. We get to participate in remaking the world according to the way Christ created it. Remaking a world from top to bottom. We lift up the values of human dignity and justice and worth because God has created us in the image of God. So I began this sermon with a quote from Brene Brown. Let me conclude with some gender equity here this morning and a quote from Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan played for the Chicago Bulls, as most people know, and one of his teammates was Tony Kukoc, who was a Croatian basketball player who won acclaim in the European basketball circuits. He played for Croatia in the 1996 Olympics against the Dream Team with Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan on the opposite side. Tony Kukoc signed with the Chicago Bulls and he began to play in the NBA in the 1992-93 season. You may remember that Michael Jordan had left the NBA to play professional baseball for a period of time. He retired. But he returned to the Bulls in the March 1995 after his retirement. And Tony Kukoc was awarded the sixth man of the year that year in the NBA, and they won the title in 1996 again, beginning another three-peat championship for the Bulls. And Tony Kukoc was the third leading scorer behind Jordan and Scottie Pippen. During one of the playoff seasons, Tony Kukoc was playing rather tentatively without purpose or passion. He was doing enough to get by, but not enough for the team to win. Not for them to win another championship. And Michael Jordan was just so competitive that he finally grabbed Tony Kukoc on the floor by the jersey and he said, are you afraid out here? Are you playing scared? Then go sit down. We don't need you to play scared. Either get it together or go sit down. To play at the highest level, you can't play with fear. You have to play with confidence. 
You can't play with self-preservation as your goal. You have to actually try to accomplish something. Take some risks. Let down your guard. And if our church is going to function at the highest level, we need to have the confidence that what we do matters here. And it's worth the investment. We have the opportunity to move beyond maintenance of the status quo. We're here to be a witness to the transformative power that God intends for all people. So let's stop acting with so much self-preservation and pocket protection. Let's get on with it. Now's our time to put our money where our faith is, In the darkness of our own time, let us together lift high the lamp of faith and reflect the light of Christ in the world. Let's take the risk and let's seize the opportunity because this is the day the Lord has made and no one can see the kingdom of heaven without being born from above. Thanks be to God. Amen.